Stephen Phil for joining us tonight for another yak chat and uh, just covering off some basics on uh, some brim fishing and a bit more sort of technical stuff as well as we get through the night covering over the locations and things to expect uh, things to look out for uh, and just some tips and tricks to help you guys out next weekend at your yak hunters round two comp so Stephen Phil have uh, offered their time up and uh, knowledge to try and help us so what we might do, we'll move into a bit of an intro with the boys. Um, they can give us a bit of an introduction on each other and how they've met and uh, what they fish out of in kayaks and boats because I know Phil's a, a bit of a boat person and Steve's a, a kayak person, so it's a bit of a cross-mix here, but we'll get through that. So okay. if you want to... He's converting me. He's converted. <laughs> so if you want to, uh, what we might do is, Steve, do you want to have a little chat about yourself and maybe when you started with Yak Hunters and uh, maybe some achievements and stuff like that? Yeah, cool. No worries. Good evening, everyone, as well. I uh, hope everyone's uh, ready to hear some brim info because we love talking it. So uh, I've been a member of Yak Hunters since 2016. So one of the inaugural guys, I was at their first comp um, and have been fishing the whole series uh, since with my partner, Erica, as well. We've been doing that. Um, it's a good chance for us to get out there and meet new people. And um, last year, I was lucky to take out AOY in Queensland. It was quite a consistent year. So um, the series itself jumps through each year, different species. So gives everyone a chance each year to sort of fish against something different, not, you know, just brim every weekend, which, you know, it's good for a change here and there. Um, being originally from Sydney, um, a good friend of mine, John Curry, who's on the admin team in New South Wales, we used to do a lot of bait fishing for Jewfish. So... I was quite an avid squid fisherman, uh, needing to catch fresh bait for our jewfish all the time. And if we weren't catching jewfish, we'd probably be casting uh, slugs at Taylor or baits on some of the southern um, beaches, Gary Beach, which is quite a popular beach. We caught some of our big salmon down there. I caught a 93 centimetre salmon once down there. It's probably one of the best fish I've caught in my life. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't hear about those types of things sometimes, so... Uh, I've been fishing out of a kayak um, probably for about nine years, so two years before Yak Hunters, and um, it's just a good release for me. Uh, you know, I own a small business, a window tinning business, where I tint excavators and diggers, and some days it can get quite stressful, and you just need that time to yourself. So, fishing in a kayak for me is, you know, one of my sort of happy places. I can go out my own or go out with people. You know, it's. As long as I'm on the water, everything sort of, you know, just releases me. So, yeah, that's, that's my story. And and I'm know, assuming you're fishing out of a Hobie or a Native? No, I, I fish out of a paddle yak. Yeah. A paddle yak, okay. Yeah, yeah 3.6 metre dream kayak. It's about seven years old. It's quite a deep hull kayak. So, yep. I can easily yep. stand up with it, stand up in it. Um, the, the only mods I have on that kayak is a Hook 5 Lowrance, and then I, I've got one of the new um, Black Ops um, crates from uh, Hunter Water Sports, which is amazing. They're one of the best crates I've ever had. So Yeah, right. Everything's fully secured to your kayak. You've got rod leashes on it. You can fit everything in there, and it's fully secured and waterproof. So Yep. Yeah. 
So what's your preferred you species? You can tell from his shoulders that he's a pearl yak. I did borrow Phil's Hobie last year. I went to Foster for the New South Wales round. Yep. And the only reason I've never bought a Hobie is I've had knee injuries from cricket years ago. And yep. I thought having a Hobie, it would be too clicky because I can't even drive a manual car for more than half an hour. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was the easiest day paddling I've ever had in my life. Yeah, so. it, I, I, it's an amazing with that paddle setup that they, um, yeah. the res- water restriction on the paddles, you actually don't feel it too bad. If you if you are pedaling pretty hard and fast for a while, your knees do get a bit uh, a bit sore. But yeah, it's not too bad. So what's your um, main species that you target? Yeah, so up here, um, me and my partner, we love chasing bass and yep. Saratoga in some of our dams. So we've got Hens Dam, which is only about 50 minutes from our house. Um, and then if we go north, uh, probably about 50 minutes to an hour again, uh, yep. we've got you and Maddox Dam there. So um, yeah, okay. that dam, unofficially, I probably hold the record for one of the biggest Saratogas ever caught, and that was in round one of a bass series up there. The fish measured somewhere between 85 to 88 centimetres a Saratoga. Yeah, right. And that that was Good only fish. because the brag only went to 50. And then we're trying to... <laughs> trying to space it, it out. So, yeah, I, I love Saratoga. It's just... You, you can't explain it to someone who hasn't caught one before. No. And had that fish so close to you and the colour is on it. Everything is just amazing. So, But recently I've just started fishing in shallow parts of the bay, Morton Bay out here with Phil. And we've been chasing snapper as well on light gear. Or like yeah, okay. on like five pound or like six pounds straight through on some some yeah. stuff, which is uh, awesome. So Look around where I live, um, I'm down in Victoria, for those that don't realise, I'm based just outside of Melbourne. Um, yeah. We've got the two bays. We've got Port Phillip Bay and Cario Bay. And um, I quite often like to go and target uh, the the snapper on my broom gear because I uh, enjoy the, the fight on a one to four kilo yeah. rod and you know, yeah. four six pound litres. Um, when you can actually bring in a, a five and a half, six kilo snapper on that, you um, you start to feel a little bit good about what you're doing, and it definitely uh, a bit more enjoyment in it to uh, have a decent fight and know that you've got to really hold on to that fish. So I can understand yeah. the fun with that one. So, um, so what we might do, we might move over to Phil, and do you guys know maybe discuss how you met Steve and um, the sort of setup there? Because I know you guys fished the teams event last year together. Um, and I think you two won the team's event. Am I right in saying that? Did you win the team's event last year for? Um, yeah, no. So we won. We won a few rounds um, in the SCQ Sport Fishing Series. Um, yep. Yeah, including um, yeah, one, one, one down the Gold Coast and one up yep. at Malula Bar as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been fishing oh, as long as I can remember. But um, I started probably really targeting brim uh, probably about seven years ago. About the same and, time, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, it would have been about five years ago when I fished my first tournament here at the Brisbane River. And uh, I'll be the first to admit I had no idea, absolutely no idea what I was doing that day. But I um, I had an absolute red letter day. I went to pretty much the only spot I'd ever caught a brim on a lure ever. And, you know, I probably could count, you know, on my fingers the number of brim I'd ever caught on a lure. So I was no way experienced. And that spot just went absolutely gangbusters. And I, I think I broke got my PB twice that day and, and won the event. It was just crazy. Um, yep. Yeah, then proceeded to lose every tournament I competed in for the next, you know, year and a half after that, actually learning what you had to do. And, um, yeah, just sort of slowly gotten better from there. Um, and, look, I first met Steve at the at the SEQ Sport Fishing Series. Um, 
he I was in a boat and uh, a small tinny at the time, and he was um, fishing out of his kayak. Crazy man. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, and we fished against each other for probably what a, a good year and a bit, I, th- yeah. I think. And then um, and then yeah, after that, I, I bought a bass boat and um, I saw Steve one day was going past him down the Narang in the Gold Coast and as he was uh, battling against the current <laughs> and I just said, look, mate, next comp, you're jumping in with me. What are you doing? What are you, what are you, what are you doing? And, um, and yeah, we fished together in those events ever since. Um, yep. yeah, I call him mustache and he calls me crazy Phil cause, uh, I nearly <laughs> thrown him the boat a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you've recently purchased a Hobie, is that right? So you're, you're now part yeah, of the Yakutas yeah. crew. You're, uh, you're coming over the dark side now. Yeah, 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 no, so, um, look, I, I love the kayak, um, I think it's just something, something different about fishing out of the kayak, you know, you're so close to the water, and it's so quiet as well, that's, that's one of the things I really love about it, you know, you don't have my, my 115 horsepower two-stroke, you know, um, <laughs> bobbering along in, the, in your ear the whole time, it's, um, yep. yeah, it's just, it's super quiet, like quieter than your electric motor on your boat as well, um, yeah, just something special about being that close to the water. And I think I find too with the kayak, it brings a, a next level of difficulty with it as well because obviously you can't travel the distance or cover the ground you could in the boat. So you've got to then yeah. spend your time more directly targeting those those preferred areas, the eddies, the, the rock walls that you know are going to hold the fish. And you know you can't do that 10-kilometer trip in 25, 30 minutes. So now you've got to actually target those fish and instead of going well they're not biting i'm gonna go up there you have to work out right well why aren't they biting yeah. what am i doing wrong so yeah i've heard, yeah. heard a lot of kayak fishermen um you know tournament kayak fishermen say the exact same thing um and which is very different for me i definitely um in the boat target active fish i don't i don't sit on a school of fish and um you know try and really 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 figure them out i'm i cover a lot of try to cover a lot of water and try and time my spots and make sure i'm there at the best time and um get them while they're active so um yeah normally i'm running and gunning everywhere but uh yep. obviously in the kayak um yeah this will only be my second kayak tournament my first kayak tournament fishing for brim um yep. place i know well down the gold coast but but still it'll be something different yeah so um what hobie did you buy just out of curiosity uh yeah i bought a hobie compass um yep. yeah it's probably three or four years old no um the drive was uh lucky i could upgrade the drive so i got that uh, it was a 180 drive and i got the turbo fins put on it um yep. to kick up um, no, yeah, com- no, compass like- are a, compass are a good uh, starting point. Like um, I saw so I fish out of a PA fourteen, so I've got the big mothership, so to speak. Um, yeah. But I've also got access to a, an outback as well. Um, yeah. And you know, in in the area around Brisbane and the Gold Coast, I think a compass is that perfect size. It's not too big. It's still light enough that you can put it in anywhere. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a really good platform for someone who's stepping into a hobby space to start building their their kayak up into that next level you can do so much with a hobie that compass and that sort of entry sort of into that hobie competition level of kayak um the yeah. options are just unbelievable so yeah that's that's a good buy that i'd say it's um it's, it's a good starting point good to fish out of. Yeah. yeah yeah and they're still on the right day they're still quite stable so you can stand up in them as well so yeah, I've seen quite a few guys at some of the Hobie rounds and that that are standing up in, in the compasses and that still. And, you know, I stand up in the outback. So, yeah, it's definitely doable. So, yeah. Right. So, um, what? So your preferred species to sort of fish for is it brim, I'm guessing, brim and snapper? Or yeah. have you got a. Oh, yeah, mate. I've, I've been real, 
really focusing on the bring a lot the really since I really since I took it up and started tournament fishing. Um, there's become a bit of an obsession, but um, probably the main fish I target outside of that is definitely snapper in Moreton Bay. Um, yep. Yeah. Love. Um, yeah, love fishing snapper. Um, there's actually really fortunate. There's a couple of spots nearby where you can you can chase them in the kayak as well. And um, yep. yeah, it's super fun. Um, yeah, especially when the tailor aren't around stealing all my lures. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, yep. yeah, really fun. Yeah, perfect. So, um, so when you say you fishing for snapper, are you fishing out of the bass boat for snapper, or have you got a secondary boat as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I do do both. Yeah, fish. If yep. I want to go over the sort of the Bay Islands in Moreton Bay, I'll take the bass boat. But um, yeah, when the weather's nice enough. But um, yeah, yep. a few spots even in nice, nice and close in the Brisbane area. Um, yeah, yep. I, I live at I live at Wynnum in in Brisbane. Um, and there's some spots that are literally two or three minutes paddle, and you can be you can be fishing for fishing for snapper. So yeah. Yeah. Right. So what's your um, sort of experience, say, around brim fishing? About seven years you were sort of same as Steve for brim, but total, yeah. you've been fishing your whole life or? Yeah, mate, yeah, since I was yep. young enough to cast a rod, I've been fishing, yeah. But primarily okay. started off bait fishing and um, I'd say, yeah, my, my family definitely fished, but uh, very much so in that bait scene and yep. um, the more offshore stuff. And, yeah, I mean, I just, I just always had to be near the water. I just love fishing, whatever form I could, whatever form I could get into, and I've always been pretty competitive. So as soon as um, I saw there was tournaments in fishing and <laughs> uh, um, and went to my first one, I was just uh, was just hooked. So um, yeah, yeah, I love the competition side of it. Love the love the challenge. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what sort of day it is. If it's you know if it's blowing its ass off or pissing down rain, and you know the the tides are all wrong and the, the fish aren't biting it doesn't matter you've got to be there trying to catch them um and yeah i love that challenge you'll you'll never see me stop casting till yeah till the last <laughs> minute <laughs> till yep. the last minute yeah look i've been there done that and i've also been caught where i've come back in 30 seconds late and copped a penalty for it so yeah, yeah. it's um yeah. yeah it's one of those things isn't it? if the fish are on you keep catching them too it's uh, a bit hard to yeah, yeah. move away from a fish that are still biting so yeah, and, and to be honest, some of the like some of the memories that I have, which I look back on um, and sort of say, you know, that's the time to me where I think, um, you know, that that's what one a part I'm really proud of. I remember like I, I took my brother out fishing. We fished a comp up at Bribey Island, and um, we had a pretty horrid day. Um, you know, we we had our five five fish in the bag, but you know, nothing special. And I just went, look, we've got 10 minutes left and my brother's sitting there all defeated like, oh, you know, let's go back to the ramp. And I'm like, mate, you get your ass up and you freaking cast that rod. <laughs> and we went to, um, yeah, we just went into the Bribery Island canals and there was just one stretch with the wind and the tide were looking nice and uh, just three pontoons in a row just went bang, bang, bang and got three, three, um, you know, three half-decent fish. And, um, you know, it didn't um, it didn't win us the comp. We I think we finished um, fourth or fifth or something. We, we jumped from probably like, 12th to 4th or 5th just in that last 10 minutes um there were actually boats like we were driving in the canals and there were boats already heading back and we we're like no there's still still five minutes to fish yet um <laughs> and uh and yeah that um you know and and that got me into fourth and i think i ended up finishing second in the, team in the series that year and yeah. i sort of like we i'd won around i'd won one or won one and gotten a second or something that year as well and but i really look back at that fourth or fifth and think you know that's that's where I got second in the team of series was that, you know, just sticking it out to the end and really pushing. So, um, yep. yeah. 
So what we might do, and for the guys that are watching the stream, um, if you guys have got any questions for these guys, chuck them in the comments because I can post these up on the screen and I'll pass it on to the boys and see if we can answer some of the questions around the system as we go through it. So what we might do, um, I know, Phil, you went for a quick sneaky fish at the start of the week um, and yeah, had a bit of a look around. Actually, yeah. So what we yeah. might do is maybe explain the system, what the system's like uh, to a sort of a person who's probably never fished it or seen it before. So like for me, obviously, I, I don't really fish around Queensland being from Victoria and in Melbourne. Um, I have fished around the back end of Hope Island. So maybe give us a bit of a run through on the system, um, you know, Paradise Point from what the yak guys are going to see for the tournament next weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, look, guys, it's a beautiful place to fish. I mean, um, you know, you, you should, if, even if you don't know anything about catching brim, you're going to have an awesome day on the water because it's, um, you know, it's a picturesque place and it's a really nice time of year to fish. You know, it's not, um, it's not, I know I say freezing cold to a Victorian, but uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely <laughs> not cold and it's definitely not stinking hot either. It's, um, it's a really beautiful time to fish. Um, and yeah, it's uh, really picturesque as well. I mean, and this time of year, we've had um, what strong southeast is blowing for the last week, which is yeah. just starting to die off. And um, the southeast has really cleaned up the water down here and uh, cooled the temperatures down as well. Um, so, yeah, the water is going to be a beautiful, clean colour. There's lots of, lot, you know, you're launching on a beautiful sandy beach. It's um, really nice. Um, so, yeah, ob obviously salt water and it's a tidal system. Um, and uh, I think particularly on that part with it being a tidal system, um, you know, for all those sort of freshwater fishermen, it's really important to remember. Um, and sort of kayak safety is probably something we'll cover off when I pull up the map a little bit later. Um, yeah, you can get, uh, I think on the day of the comp, the tide's not huge, but it's certainly not a small tide. It's sort of a 1.3 or 1.4 metre tide. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so it will be pumping. There's some spots where um, certainly if you don't have a, if, you've, if you're only on the, paddle like um like steve yep. um you can get caught out very yeah easily. you can yeah. you can get to the point where you can't paddle against it right and you're, you're going backwards faster than going forward so um yeah it's important to important to know and um as well gold coast um you know people have seen all the tourist pictures it, it gets pretty busy um when the particularly if it's a, a long weekend or if it's a weekend with a you know beautiful forecast where it's glassed out and um some I can actually say sometimes those days can be the roughest days to be on the water because there's there's there can be that many boats on the water. Um, probably where we're mainly going to fish, and I'll I'll show that out in the map out on the map in a in a section sort of where we start and stuff. Not so bad because it's uh, we're starting in a six knot zone. Yeah. Um, there's certainly some spots in the arena where there is a lot of boat traffic going past. Everything from you know small tinnies to the you know sort of the big looking super yachts. Um, and yeah, you know they can put off a, a reasonable amount of wash, and the, the you know so the waves around in certain spots can get a bit get a bit hairy if you're not yep. not looking at what you're doing. Yeah. So so from the perspective of say a new person coming along, is it more of a structure based system, a flat system? Um, what sort of things are we looking at in the system? We're looking boat hulls and stuff like that, or yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's um it's very much a structures but structure based fishery. Um, you know, there, are, there is um, natural stuff to fish as well. There is some sand, you know, sort of weed flats and that sort of thing. But um, to be honest, all the tournaments, most of the big fish um, and the big numbers of brim are all going to be in the, the man-made structure. Man yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you're looking at pontoons and jetties and bridge pylons, um, you know, getting up in the canals as well is definitely definitely worth a go. Um, yeah, that's that's really what you're aiming for, lots of rock walls. Um, yeah. So, 
Um, I, I might actually, if you if you want, I'll bring up yep. a picture of the Go. system. Um, yeah. Just share my screen here. Yeah. Share your screen, and we'll see if I can. Yeah. And when we talk it's about saying uh, host okay. disabled uh, uh, screen sharing. There okay. we go. No. Go now. So there you go. Yep, that's got it. So I'll just bring this up. You can see that. Yep, that's come through. Perfect. Yep, so, let's move this out away. so yeah, so um, so this is yeah, sort of an overview, satellite view of the of of the area. So this 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 point where my mouse is just here is Paradise Point. Um, yep. And uh, I don't think we've got the official um you know, sort of um, fishing arena. No, from, I've had a chat with Lippy today but... about that. He's, they're still in the process of finalising it. Um, obviously, they're looking at the weather patterns and stuff like that before they make yep. a set decision on it. Um, so that'll be released with the briefing when that comes out. But uh, they may release a few details in a couple of days just to help some of the guys out. Yep, yeah. Yeah, yeah so definitely, um, you know, obviously... Uh, take everything I'm saying here. If I'm pointing to somewhere, um, make sure you double check that, that you're in the in the zone in the zone on the day. Um, yeah, to sort of give you a rough lay of the land, you know, I believe that the the plan will be to launch on this side over here. So see that stretch of beach just down there. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. guys can park their cars up on the streets here and bring the yaks down. Nice easy beach launch. Yeah. Um, this main island here is called um, uh, Sovereign Island, um, and that's just a a giant big canal system. Um, all really sort of deep, sharp edges with um, sort of some some areas of rocks and others are, are just sort of you know less rocks and just more of a like, sort of a concrete wall, um, but most mostly rocky um, and, and a very deep canal system. You know, I think probably even at shallowest, it's yeah, still you know three meters or, yeah. or so. Maybe right up on the edges, it gets a little shallower, but um, yeah, quite a deep, rocky canal system. And um, look, even if you just decided you you know you don't want to go too far and you just want to fish in there all day. Um, I, you'd lose count at the number of big brim and and you know winning bags that have been caught at yeah. that at that island. It's a it's a big fish spot. Um, so you know really awesome spot to um, you know start. Um, plenty of good options for kayakers really close. Um, then uh, this river here is the the Coomera, um, and I, I think the arena is gonna the arena or currently the current draft is gonna let you go a fair way up that to so somewhere up to sort of around down here. And um, there's also some you know, Paradise Point canals in here, and Jabber Island. Yep, and yeah. then around this island here, there's some more sort of natural um, mangrove, mangrove stuff that people can fish up in here as well. Um, yeah, so that's sort of that, and that's the Hope Island canals up in there. Um, we'll wait to see whether that's in bounds or not. Quite often, that does get put out of bounds in a lot of the comps we fish uh, in in southeast, you know, down here in the, at the Gold Coast. Um, yep. But yeah, that's. Um, that's sort of the, that, that's sort of the northern part of the arena, and then and then heading further down south. If you want to venture further down south, this is Epram Island, um, and then you got two. Um, there's a few couple of bridges here, which definitely at times um, fish are right as well. In winter as well. Yeah. Yep. yep you yep. can um, get fish schooling up there. Um, I'll, and I'll probably might talk a little bit more about um, the sort of the brim, um, the, the yellowfin brim sort of um, you know seasonal patterns in a, in a moment as well. Um, yep. So yeah, there's. there's two bridges there there's a, a nice weedy flat here and um sort of more weedy flats on the southern side of that Epping island yep. um then then you've got um uh <laughs> this is the hollywell canals or i call them steve's canals because uh he was the first one that showed me showed me those canals and i think um caught a couple of nice fish in there <laughs> um and then 
Uh, yeah, then there's a few other little marinas and stuff along here, and then I think this is going to be about the southern end of the boundary or with the Shearwater Canals down yep. down here, and um, and this this island here, which is called Crab Island. Um, yeah, and Crab Island's got um, good mangrove veggies all around it, and um, and you know weedy 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 um, sort of weedy banks and and some some holes and stuff as well. Um, yeah, not um, you know I talk a lot about structure-based fishing, but I don't want to scare people away that think you know oh, I don't know how to fish pontoons. I'm not going to do it. Um, I remember one comp we had here at um, Paradise Point, and I spent what five hours of the five or six hours of the comp fishing with my mate. Um, uh, Jimmy D at the time, um, and and we were scratching our heads. I think we had two brim, and we were like, "What, what are we going to do?" And um, in the end, I hadn't fished a lot of pontoons at the time, and I um, I then decided, "Look, let's just go to what we know, which was throwing stuff at mangroves." And we went around here and ended up catching five brim, no problem, and ended up third for the day. So, yep. um, you know, there's um, you know people will tell you it can't happen, but there's there's just brim everywhere in this system. Um, now, if you look at a rock wall or look at a pontoon, there is there's probably not one rock wall or, or mangrove or pontoon that doesn't hold a brim at some point yeah. uh, in this in this place. Um, so, yeah, definitely keep um, yeah keep, keep fishing. And I'm assuming um, with it being so tidal too, the water would be quite clear as well. Uh, oh. It certainly can be, yeah. And I, yeah. I think um, with the way the weather forecast is at the moment, I think it will be will be quite clear yeah yeah okay so the, the opportunity for guys to be able to even sight cast or some of the fish if they're oh, they're sure, back yeah. from the structure yeah. it'd be good so yep yeah yeah um, i didn't didn't see many fish swimming around on wednesday and sometimes they get in that mood where they like to hide under the pontoons or really hide yeah. under the mangroves or sit down a bit deeper but um but yeah it can be you know it's it's awesome sometimes just cruising along and you can see them you know either sucking off the surface or swimming right around the edges of pontoons um yeah it's yeah, it's fun fishing when yeah. it's like that. So while we're talking about like the tides and the flow and stuff, we've got a question that's come up. Um, so the question is, the launch is around mid-tide coming in max flow mm -hmm. and wanted to get towards front of the system and follow flow in. Is that feasible against the flow with a Hobie pedal kayak? So does he mean the front of the system heading towards the seaway? Yeah. I'm guessing yeah. so, Garrick. Is that what you're sort yeah. of getting at? Garrick? Is uh, that hey, Garrick. How are you, mate? Yeah, he'll take a second to come in. There's a slight delay, so yeah. that's all right. Keep yeah. going, Phil and yeah, Steve. Look, I'll explain a little bit about how the water flows here. So yeah, because it, it can get confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like sort of you don't really know which way which way it's going here, but but that's the Gold Coast Seaway down here at the bottom. Um, yeah. So yeah, the water flows in here, and it really, as you can see here, that's called Wave Break Island, and it and it basically splits in two directions, and that way it goes down to the Narang, and this one's the one that goes up to Karumra, and um. Pretty much on the incoming tide, the water flows up here and you know on that side, and really pushes from the bottom of the screen to the top. So, um, and then it, um, you know, it comes up here, it hits that corner on Sovereign, and it goes around that way and around the inside. Oh, my mouse back with you there. Yeah. Uh, and then around the inside in there, and then, and you know, around that side, and then flows and flows down in there. So, um, I think we've got say nine or nine thirty high tide on the the day of the comp. Yeah. So when we launch here you're going to be you know an, an hour and a half or two hours or so into the um you know a few hours into the the tide so it's going to be pretty close getting pretty close to max flow when we start and it'll be flowing from the bottom of the screen to the top so yeah. um yeah certainly if you're in a, a a paddle yak um you'll be you'll probably be looking to either hang around here until the tide slows a bit before you head south um 
uh, if you're in a if you're in a Hobie, you know, if you're in a Hobie with the with the pedals, I could say, yeah, you definitely can push against it. It's um, obviously it's going to be hard a bit harder work, but there'd be no yeah. problem with getting all the way down to this southern part of the arena. Yeah. Um, so Garrick has said that. Yeah, he was he was talking about the fronts the way you've just spoken about. Um, and are there any weed beds and sand flats in the fishing area? So I think you've covered that just then, where you've talked about yeah. some of those around the back of these islands here. Yeah, and, and up here around Ephraim Island, there's a good little mangrove edge um, up along there as well. I'm sure if that's in play. Left yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely check that as well on the on the thing. Quite often this island gets yeah. put out of um puts out put out of bounds as well. Um, some le- some might leave the the mangrove edge around, but yeah. definitely normally that marina there's out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, check that. Yeah. Same with yeah, cool. down along here. Um, there's a marina in down marina. here. Normally that Southport marina gets put out of bounds as well, but the yeah, the Hollywell, Hollywell, this little tiny one down here, and the Shearwater ones are normally in play. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. Um, and just if you're paddling in a um, a yak as well, just to sort of give you some idea of the, the sort of more dangerous areas, definitely this this section along here. Um, it when it's in the middle of the tide, it it really flows. Yeah. Um, and then this area sort of. Um, probably from where, if you can imagine where that water comes up here and hits that point and then flows down there, along there, rips rips pretty hard as well. And then yeah. on, probably on the inside of Sovereign can get moving as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, normally if you're going to fish sort of those outside edges of Sovereign, you probably want it when the when the tide's slowing down, yeah. unless you're, um, you know, really got, got strong, strong legs or arms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, is there any more on that system that you wanted to... Show us there, Phil, or um, did you want to start working through some key points for um, techniques and stuff like that? Yeah, no, mate, look, um, yeah, let's get on to the lures, and um, I guess guys can, um, yeah, fire away. I'll stop sharing my screen, and then, um, yeah. yeah, guys can fire away with some questions after that. Yeah, yeah, I'll just fix this up. Hang on. It's the only problem with this bit. There we go, and that's back, perfect. Um, all right, so what we might look at, so we've talked about the system. Um, so maybe talk about some, you've spoken about some key areas where obviously you can get some big catches out of and where some of the bigger brim are obviously uh, known to hold up on and sit on. So maybe what we might do, just to start off, um, this time of the year, you're looking more and unfortunately, I'm talking from a black brim perspective, so it may, I know it is slightly different yellowfin to black brim. Black brim, when they don't want to bite, you can't get them to bite, whereas the yellowfin generally, you can sort of convince them. Um, so I've got limited experience with yellowfin brim guys, but uh, do you find in this time of the year, will they go to a deeper sort of water and go to that bottom sort of an ed- bite, or will they still be up on those edges in the mid sort of water column to the edge? Yeah. Yeah, look, to be honest, yeah. um, the I think there's an edge bite. There's always an edge bite yeah. the whole year, the whole year round. Yeah. Um, so just to, I think it's, I'm glad you brought this up because I had forgot to sort of get into that sort of brim brim movements throughout the year. So in in the summer months here in Queensland, the yellowfin brim tend to really spread out through the whole system. They're, they're sort of everywhere, and the bags are a bit smaller. Um, yeah. We're in a really good time of the year for going for brim now the you know the, the weather's cooling down um and they're all getting ready to do that spawning cycle which they do at the at the bottom ends of systems so yeah um so yeah they're all 
you know, with all this cold weather that's been happening, those brimmel, um, you know, a big number of those brim will be moving downstream right to where the start line is. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they'll start to school up in deep spots and, um, you know, get ready to do that thing and, um, yeah, you know, spread their young things all, all, you know, throughout the system. So, um, Which is happening right now. Yeah. There, there, yeah. there is some parts of the system in the last four days where fish are already schooling up in smaller numbers and are milking so there there will be depending on the types of weather we get in the next week and and the wind we get as well you know yep. some fish might start stacking up more like leading up to the full moon but yeah it's really hard to predict that's it's a it's amazing the difference there from yellow fin to black brim like for us when it gets to colder weather the black brim will school up into really tight bunches and the bigger fish will actually sit on either the edge of the school or just off from the school um and like our our brim down in Victoria and that they won't start milking until sort of coming up to your October September October like towards yeah, the end of the yeah. year. So yeah. yeah, it's it's very different in that regards for us down here to what you guys get. But yeah, I was always curious with obviously you guys having the warmer weather and being on the northern end whether the brim would characterise differently and you know get that deeper go deep when it starts to cool off or not. But as you say, they're sort of still on that edge bite all year round up there. So yeah, yeah. So. So, so yeah, they definitely start to school up deep, and you can go targeting those schools deep, and you know lots of guys have great success with that. But um, definitely don't ride off those edges because yeah. um, even right yeah. where they school up deep, quite often those fish might be too preoccupied spawning, or they're you know, they're, yeah they're all there, but they're not shut down for a reason. And you might find that on the edge right next to where they're schooling up, exactly. that's where that's where all the brim have gone to go you know go grab a feed while they're taking some time out from spawning. So um. Yeah, yep. definitely never never ride off those edges. Um, you can definitely fish them, fish them all so around. I, so I suppose moving on in a bit more from that, um, do you find in the morning on that low first light that they're still they're more predominantly on the edge then than they are obviously, or do you find them on the edge all day? Um, is there any sort of a bite window time frame, if that makes sense, as to where they will be for certain times? Um, obviously they like to hide in the shadows and stuff like that. So they're not out in the open in the direct sunlight where they're, they're easily seen. But, yeah. uh, yeah. Do you find like a morning surface bite on the edge or a shallow bite on the edge or it doesn't really matter with the time yeah. of day? Yeah. To be honest, I'd say yeah. probably tide makes yeah. more importance yeah. than, um, than, than, than the time of day. Um, yeah. I think every time I thought, I think every, almost every time I'm with brim fishing, I, I keep a lot of, um, journals and records yeah. of all our trips yeah. and, I think every time I think I've found a pattern, that yeah. that pattern will last for a year or a season or something, and yeah. then you yep. and then you go and then you look at the next year and you just rewrite the whole thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I I wouldn't get caught in that trap thinking you know this has got to happen or that's got to happen. Um, probably one consistent thing I have found, which probably really won't affect us at this time of year, but in the middle of winter when it gets really cold, um, I would say yeah, you don't really want to push up into those really shallow canals first thing in the morning. Um, it can definitely get too cold, and the fish the fish will still be in there, but they'll be just super lethargic and hard to catch. So yeah, you generally try and target the deeper water first thing in the morning. Um, but that's really more so in the middle of winter. This time of year, it's not that the water's not that cold yet. Um, I wouldn't be too worried yeah. about that. So, so what sort actually, of what sort of water temperatures were you seeing the other day? Did you yeah, notice? Yeah, so it was um yeah twenty two twenty three was about yeah right was, okay yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's that's quite yeah, warm. 
post he warmed by your standards. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, mate, I, we're, we're talking 16 degrees at the moment down here in the water. So yeah. it's it, yeah. it's really dropped. Like you're you're talking where you are now. That's normally about our peak water temp. That 21 degrees is yeah, is yeah, where yeah. our black rim like to sit and get really active. So. Yeah, if it's if it's over twenty degrees up here, we'll probably try to throw top water all day. Yeah, <laughs> so well, there you go. Things like that's what I thought of mentioning to the guys is, don't get too clued in on just throwing top water in the morning surface lures because there is times, yeah. and it's not just our sort of how our trip went. We'll come back from a comp, and someone else would have banged them, and it'll be like one thirty you know, in the afternoon and they're like, they just fish top water and they just cracked them. So that's yeah. probably don't ever put a surface lure away up here. I don't think like we've had probably one of our bumper seasons up here in the last two months Definitely, with prawns. Yeah. But I think since our floods, the, the prawns have started early like yep. and big and the systems have been full of them. So I probably wouldn't put that top water lure away all day. Yep. Yeah, right. So there you go, guys. Yeah. Just tip number one. Keep a top water tied on and put that right back yeah, in the rack. 100%. I got yeah. my second biggest brim on Wednesday and I think what I was had to get yeah. ready to come back and pick up the kids from school. So yeah. it was like one o'clock or something yeah. and I got my yeah, second right. biggest brim on the top water. Yeah, yeah middle of the day. So. Yeah, see, so uh, it, it's just from perspective for the guys, um, if, we, if that was in Victoria now and it was an overcast day with a bit of tree shadow and stuff, you could yeah. throw a top water in those shadows and you could tap it down to a subsurface bite. Uh, but predominantly yeah. down here on the black brim, that morning bite is the only time the surface will really get active. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've yeah. got to find really angry feeding fish otherwise to, to get that bite. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, so, obviously, we've covered off. You're going to... The bite, where are you going to cover the bite? It doesn't really matter. You will get a deep bite. You'll get a top water. You'll get a shallow. You'll yeah. get structure bites. So, we'll move through into the actual lures that you guys would probably suggest for these guys. Let's go for something, say, to start off with, maybe around that structure. Let's talk about that and a, a couple of lures, if you've got something handy that you can talk about, around some of that man-made structure that we've covered off. So, Phil and I, we usually fish pretty similar lures, but when we're in the boat, Phil will be up the front and I'll be working something different. But when we're in the kayak, we're probably going to throw similar things. And it, it all depends on the system, though. Like, you know, if, it, if someone heads south and someone hits the flats, they could be throwing two different things. But where we probably will both fish on the day, we'll probably throw similar things, I think. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, so I think for the for the lures, um, so if you're fishing, say, around structure, I think pontoons probably the, the you know, the, the most common structure you're going to find around there. Um, we probably have really, I'd say, three sort of styles of lures that you'd mainly throw around there. And um, the first one, and it's the one I love fishing the most, would be uh, crankbait. Um, now, we we tend to fish um, jerkbait style crankbaits. So there's two here. One, This one here is the brim shad. Yep. Um, that's in a sort of prawn pattern color. I think what's it called a blue bluegills or something. I can't remember. Yeah, that, that looks like a bluegill, that one there. Sort of a prawn pattern, yeah. And then, um, and then this one's a zip bait, cams and tiny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both in the both with the one with the big bit bigger bib. That's in the. They're both around that sort of 40, 50 mil size. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, they're a jerkbait style lure. And uh, look, basically, you want to get that thing as close to and or under the pontoon if you can. Um, and you can mix up those retrieves from anything from just a just a slow just a slow constant wind to lots of you know consistent 
you know, short, sharp twitches to, you know, big, angry twitches and a long pause and then big, angry twitch and a long pause. Um, uh, the, the number of brim that are being caught on the Gold Coast with that technique <laughs> and giant brim too, um, that's a really good technique, um, yeah, to get them and get them fired up. Um, quite often if they're sitting under that pontoon sort of, um, you know, sulking and not, um, you know, not really in a mood to eat, um, you know that can that can really stir them up and get them get them going. Especially when they're in a school, you'll find um, pack you know, yeah, you can have a pack yeah. of sort of twenty brim come out and they're all just fighting over each other to eat it. So that's a really that's a really good one to um, to use. Um, and yeah, you've really got to get that. Um, it's kind of I'd think along the lines of sort of jack fishing for any of the guys in Queensland that might do a bit of that. Where um, the closer you can get that to the pontoon, you know, the edge of the pontoon, the better. Um, sometimes you can use the current to your advantage to help sort of sweep it underneath or help help it guide it closer. Um, yep. Yeah, all good things to do, yeah. So really the most important thing is obviously an accurate cast and getting as close as you can to that structure. So 100%. And, and, yeah. and trying to work the whole pontoon. So if you're throwing a cast and you're only getting halfway, you sort of you may be missing those fish that, that were at the back of the pontoon that could have followed it. Because you find a lot of fish sometimes will hit it in the middle or they'll hit it just off the edge of the pontoon. It's a, a lot of the time, unless they're right on the surface at the end and you hit it under, and, and a lot of the time they're hitting it on the first twitch, sometimes they'll chase it and then there's more fish will come and join the pack. That's when you sometimes get a bite. So yeah. trying, yep. trying to uh, maximize the percentage of getting a fish. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so our fearless leader wants to know, will the jacks be out and about? Uh, <laughs> oh, <look. laughs> yeah. yeah when you hear the line class we're telling you to throw at these yeah. brim, you'll probably hope the jacks aren't around <laughs> but yeah. um but yeah look no it actually has been a pretty decent um jack season i think down the down the gold coast um but yeah look i, I wouldn't say no but uh with that cooler weather they they're definitely going to start to go get a bit more quiet so oh. uh, i didn't see any on wednesday um yeah i didn't see any then but um yeah, definitely been been plenty around, and actually some of the biggest jacks I've seen caught because they don't disappear. That you know the jacks stay in the system. They just sort of get get a bit more sleepy and don't not yeah. not as keen to strike a lure. Um, some of the biggest jacks I've seen caught on the Gold Coast have been caught in the dead middle of winter. So um, some of them on brim gear on like four pound and stuff. So yeah, yeah, right. um, yeah you can yeah don't write them off. There's still a the few there'll still be a few steam steam train stories probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Um. So obviously we've talked about a couple of lures that we can use for structure. You've said that we've got some sandy and sort of weed beds and stuff that we can fish as well. Have you got something there, guys, that we can go through and go over that lure and some techniques with that as well? Yeah, yeah. So um, this one's true probably for the um, both for the pontoons, definitely for the pontoons, and also for the um, you know for the weed flats. Yeah. And um, that's a surface lure. So this one here is a Bastet Sugar Pen. Yeah. Uh, that's the ninety mil one, and we've just got the um uh the sort of you know assist hooks tied on the back as well yeah um yeah i think a lot of brim fishermen will be familiar with, with that lure it's just a walk the dog style lure um you know slow retrieve with, with sort of with twitches um and you'll get that get that lure working side to side um a real important thing with that lure that probably some people don't quite may not quite realize but you see it's got that little tiny like popper face on the front a little cup uh, um that is that is one of the real beauties and keys, I reckon, to this lure. Um, depending how you work it and how you twitch it, where you hold your rod tip in the water and, you know, how much slack line you got and the wind and all that sort of thing, um, 
you'll find when you move your rod tip around, you get it to this right point where when that lure is twitching, you get this little, mm. that cup just pushes this little bit of water and you get this little squirt of water coming out of the front. And uh, that's just the perfect imitation for a little flicking form. Yeah. And um, you want to work that lure so that it's always doing that little squirt. And yeah. the more time that you have that lure doing that, the more more angry those brim are going to be when yeah. they yeah. when they come when they hear it and come looking at it. Yeah. Um, so and you can throw that. Yeah. Yep. So do you guys find obviously you guys are in a pretty tidal system, so I don't know whether this will really apply, but. Um, when you cast the lure out and you get those rings, obviously when the lure first slaps on the water, do you guys yep. find that you're best to leave that for that sort of 10 to 15 seconds for the rings to clear or because you're in such a tidal system, it doesn't really affect that lure? Yeah, it's, it's not a huge, it's, it's probably not a huge problem, but I definitely, I still do normally let it sit. Um, yep. uh, actually sometimes with brim, if there's a big school under there that you haven't seen, you land They'll hit it as soon as it touches. Add brim, just eat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's probably not, not the most common. Um, yeah, so no, I definitely do, I tend to leave it probably not 15 seconds, but probably, no, yeah, five, certainly six, four or five yeah. seconds just to... It's sort of, we normally... We normally leave it just for the ring to sort of dissipate that little bit, um, just yeah. so there's not any commotion on the surface of the water, and then we'll start working yeah. it. Um, sometimes yeah, what yeah. we've found in the past is those rings actually work almost like radars to the fish, yeah, and they'll actually range, yeah. turn the fish and make it turn and look at the lure rather than yeah. they might be looking the opposite direction. So yeah, I just thought yeah, we'd chuck yeah, that yeah. in while we're chatting away. Oh, well, and yeah. another thing, just on that, a lot of our systems up here, we've got sandy banks as yeah. well, so. I wouldn't, it's hard to tell this time of year what the fish are going to be like. And I think a lot of people need to know that brim up here get overfished, a lot of boat traffic, and they can get really spooky. So yep. if you're in a system that has got some sand on the beach where you're casting behind a pontoon, a lot of the times if I'm throwing a surface lure or a plastic, I'll even throw it up on the sand that and was bring the it next back thing. down. Because yep. I, like, I've thrown a lure before and on like five or six pound line, and as the lure's going in the water, they like you have 20 fish that will just spook as the water is, um, sorry, the lure hasn't even hit the water and they're just line shy of that lure yeah. going in the water. Yeah, so. Yeah, we've, we've, yeah, we do that quite often too with some of our um, deep diving stuff and we get that bib obviously and drag it across the sand. And then obviously as it makes those puffs of sand, it'll all get the attention as well. Same sort of deal. So you're not making that commotion on the surface if they're, especially in a tight school, um, you know, it just you find that they spook a lot easier when they're tied right up. So, um, so let's move through to some more sort of stuff that you already, What else have you guys got there for us? You've got a nice selection by the sounds of it. Yeah. So, so, so the only other thing I'll probably just tell you is as well. So I'm I'm hooked these lures. So mm -hmm. even those um any of the crankbaits. So this one this one is more a jerkbait style retrieve. You can pretty much do the same thing that I was talking about on the pontoons on any of the weed flats. Um, I'd say the Gold Coast. The weed flats don't fish probably as good as others sort of more north and um you know north of the gold coast so start getting up more around cleveland and um you know scarborough and that sort of thing a lot of the flats and rocky points stuff around there it's crankbait central um you know on the natural structure but on the gold coast they still work same same thing um you know or you can get to more like your rolling crank so that would be more like the atomic um you know atomic yeah. 38s and yeah, the uh, pro, pro, pro lures as well. Yeah, pro it, lure. Yeah. There's um, crank. Um, there's a crank do some good ones. Yeah, well. crank do some as well. Um, yeah. yeah, and all of those in the small sizes. So you want to be looking at that 35, 40 mil kind of size lure. Um, and most of the time, it's just it is just a steady, constant boring retrieve. No twitches. Um, but it, yeah. it works. It, that that's yeah. really what works. And that's what I'd be throwing in um 
that's what I'd be throwing if I'm fishing weed flats up here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, so that um, that was on the weed flats. But then yeah. if you're going to go uh, again around the structures, and to be honest, you could throw it around all the mangrove edges as well and rock walls. Um, the next thing would be plastics, I think. Yeah. Um, and probably the, I guess the three best plastics would be that we we <laughs> like to throw. Um, two would be gulps, and I reckon you haven't spoken to many brim anglers on the Gold Coast if you haven't heard somebody mention the gulp crabby. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you can probably, it's hard to see the profile in the packet there, but you can see it on that little the little black up there. It's like a little yabby. Um, we like throwing the two and a half inch version. Yep. Um, we often throw the camo color, but to be honest, I'm not sure it really makes a big difference. Um, um, I'm not a huge believer in, in a lot of a lot of color things up here. Um, yeah, it's just, it looks like a little yabby. It's got lots of, lots of flailing feet that flail everywhere. You'll hook it up to your hook and you sort of look at it and go, oh, that looks kind of ugly and think it's not going to work, but... Trust me, so many broom eat these, smash these up here. Yeah. Um, it's a good bag filler, that lure. Yeah, yeah. really good bag. Yeah. Also yeah. good for the guys that are just starting out too because it comes with pre-scent already on it so they don't have to stress too oh, much yeah. about the scent and stuff like that. So yeah, gold's always scent. a good starting point. Yeah. yeah, and that scent is a real winner up here. It's um, it's really good. Um, and you'd So what you'd want to fish that on is, here's sort of an example, that's an Atomic Seekers, that's a 120th in a size one um, hidden weight system jig head. Um, and that pairs really well with that two and a half inch um, crabby. Um, and then that's sort of like a slightly smaller one, a one fortieth in the same size. Yeah. Um, yep. And they're perfect for pitching up around pontoons. Um, again, you just want to skip it to the edge of the pontoon or you know, the poles on the backs of pontoons or in behind the pontoons. Um, particularly under, I, I like casting as well, where the walk platform is that comes down to the pontoon, skipping it right in yep. under there and a little bit of shade underneath the, the walkway. Um, and they're really simple plastic to use. You just want to dead stick it. You just want to let it sink naturally. There's no, there's no twitching or hopping or moving. Right. It's pitch it in there. Yeah. Let's let a bit of line out. Let it sink down. Yeah. Um, if there's a little bit of current flow, you can let it sink right underneath the right under the pontoon. Um, a lot of the times the brim will see it as it starts sinking, and they won't just run straight over and eat it. They'll go, oh, what's that? And they follow it all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. So it's normally quite normally quite good to throw it in let it sink down if you haven't got a bite in the first few seconds don't you know presume you're not going to get one let it sink right down to the bottom let it sit on the bottom for a bit um and quite often those brim will pick it up off the bottom yeah yeah you you sort of explained it there but maybe just for some of the newer guys do you want to explain what dead sticking is like uh, yeah if you want to explain what dead sticking is to you guys just so that anyone at home you've pretty much covered it but just a real basic term for someone who might not understand what that terminology is yeah so um Dead sticking is, as it sounds, is basically your, your rod is your stick. Don't don't move it. So once you yeah. let your let your line go, let the line hit the bottom, let it go yeah, slack. Yeah. Don't touch a thing. Not, probably not quite as simple as not moving your rod, but um, yeah. it's really more so about the lure. So you, yeah. you don't want to move the lure, yeah. and um, I think that's probably the way to think about it. Is you really don't want to move that lure. You want it to mm. land, and you want it to sink as though there's no no. Tool you want it to sink out. naturally is probably what naturally, you're sort of looking yeah. for. Yeah. 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 So, um, so look, if a, if a brim's sitting under a pontoon and it sees, you know, a bit of weed and a bit of lump of crap and a whatever's floating around in the water and it's all sinking down like this and then your yep. lure comes along and goes or, or sinks at a weird angle to the rest of it, it's, uh, it's going to think, oh, what's that? That's weird. It's, something's up with that thing. I'm not going to eat it. But if yep. it sinks down naturally in the current, um, then, then that, that's sort of the best way to present that lure, yeah. Um, 
and and when you think about that, that's um, quite often that's where wind and 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 also the water flow can really affect how this lure works. So, if you're say casting across, um, you know, across the tide or across the wind, um, you can you've probably seen it if you've ever cast anything like like this before. You can see when it lands, and you can see as your line sort of gets caught in that wind or that tide, it already pulls that lure at a weird angle. Um, that's sort of a bit more of a comp, um, sort of complex thing to get your head around, but if you can get yourself sort of with the wind at your back or tide at your back so that you can cast or, or, or in front of you, so, so you're in line with that tide or that current and cast either up current or down current and let it sink down naturally so it's all in a straight line, um, that'll definitely help improve your, your, cat, your strike rates, particularly for those bigger brim. So I'm glad we've covered dead sticking because now we've got a few questions on dead sticking. So do you free spool when dead sticking? No, 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 no. So don't don't free spool. Um, basically, what you'll do is you'll. I know if I've if I've skipped that lure in and it's landed beside the pontoon. Yeah. Normally, when that lure so that lure's hit the water yeah. and it's it's stopped, then I will basically pull my rod back. So with the spool still open, I'll pull my rod back and let out sort of a yeah, you know a rod or rod and a half length of yeah. line. Get a nice belly in that line. Then I'll put the bail arm over, and I'm watching that line like a hawk. Yeah. yeah. No, that's exactly the same as how I do it. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, basically, um, I just make sure I get at least at least half a rod to a rod length of leader or yeah. line out, sorry. Um, and yeah, making sure I've got that slack line and I'm watching it for that tick as it goes down to That's see it. if the brim are chasing That's on the it. way down and doing those plucks. So hopefully that yeah. one answers that one for Garrick. And then the other one is when did dead sticking, should your bail arm be open? So I think we sort of covered that one as well. It, it needs to be open at the start to get that excess line out. Um, but it's also handy in that point too to know the depth of your system too. So you sort of get an idea of how much yeah. line to let out. Yeah. Um, so, probably to explain that, so probably just to explain that one a little more. Um, yep. I think what they're thinking is they're thinking when they're letting that current float it down and you've got your bow arm open, they're thinking that the current on this lure is going to pull it down and it's just going to peel line off your, off your yep. spool. Now, what I would say is that this lure isn't real heavy. So you've got a 120th jig head or so, or sometimes 140th jig head, and the lure is kind of buoyant as well. It's not like it's plastic, so it's not, um, you know, there's not a lot of weight there. Yeah. So there's not a lot of force pulling that line off your reel. So when you're, um, if you're letting it happen, even just that bit of resistance from that line wrapped around your spool and wanting to peel off is enough resistance that lure, it'll kind of sink like, uh, and then it'll change that characteristic of the lure. Line won't sink naturally so you want that line all off so that it's just sinking as naturally and consistently as possible yeah. um so yeah you definitely want to take the line off the reel before you clip the bail arm over yeah so this one's a bit more in depth it's it's not around dead sticking but anything you do with retrieves depth that target brim rather than trevally under pontoons i tend to catch trevally more as they spook less how far away do you cast to stop spooking fish in a yak? Therefore, would you use an arbiter setup uh, once flow is slowing? Yeah, I, I would just say if you're catching trevally, move. Yeah, like it's it's one thing we talk about all the time. If if we hook a trevally, there's a good chance we're not going to hook a brim. Yeah, in, in that instance, um, that's it's quite an in depth question but um a lot of the time when i'll come in on my kayak i'll make sure that i've i've picked out my rod from behind me i've got it ready and i'll sort of set up my position of where i'm going to cast uh, the, the thing up here a lot of our stuff is 
when we're using a specific lure, um, <clears throat> we're either sight casting on the front of a pontoon or we're throwing behind it, unless we're fishing deep. So I find trevally a lot of the time are on the fronts of pontoons. Yep. Like there, there is a good chance that in our kayaks up here, we're going to fish areas we won't usually in our boats. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so right. I mean, if you've ever seen a trevally next to a brim, yeah, uh, and you think that that brim's going to get to the, you know, yeah. get to some bit of food before a bloody lightning fast yeah. trevally, yeah. if there's trevally around, they're muscling out the brim, the brim are either going to be shut down or, or, um, yeah. Yeah, beaten to the bait. So, um, and, and I don't know about for you guys, but generally what happens down here, if we've got Trevally and Taylor and all that in the system, the yeah. brim will actually be underneath them eating whatever yeah, they yeah, drop. Yeah. So that they yeah. won't really compete for them. So I'm, I'm guessing it'd be the same. It's the way the fish are yeah. set. So. And that's exactly what I was just yeah. going to say. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, the, the, only other, the only time that I know that I've successfully caught brim when there's been Trevally around is um yeah like you've said they're feeding underneath them so getting get the scraps yeah. and um yeah and <laughs> yeah. that's when you want to be throwing your plastic and um i mean the trolley may still eat it on the way down you can't stop that but but quite often if you don't move it too fast and let it sink slowly down at the bottom you might get a brim off on the bottom so yeah that'd be where you know back to that dead sticking but again, again for um, something like that when you're there. starting off you, you've got plenty of areas to fish in a yak comp you, i'd be moving like <laughs> you, yeah, you don't yeah, want to be yeah. losing lines and you know, you're getting losing yeah. all your lures and everything else starts yeah. getting chewed off. So, yeah, if yeah. You, you wheel that, you wheel that plastic in super quick, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's really <laughs> smashed on the way back yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, have you got any other lures there, guys, that you want to recommend for the the guys? Yeah, so for the plastics, the other one that I'd recommend, which um, it, it would be this one, and you know it's good because it's got the brim on the packet. Um, <laughs> yeah. So gears, this one's yeah, the Eco Gear Aqua. Um, and it's sort of like a, I don't know if you can kind of see that there. It's no, a little, that's coming through. Little prawny, little prawny sort of looking thing. Um, I think we, a lot of people call this one probably the Gold Coast chip. Yep. So um, yep. it's basically the idea is just a, you know, it's a scented plastic, but it's, you know, it's light colored white, kind of looks like a chip or a piece of bread. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, you know, there's so many people obviously on the Gold Coast, so many pontoons, people throw their scraps off the back of that pontoon. Yep after having breakfast or whatever um yeah it's just a the known 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 fish catcher yeah. um and we normally fish that one on a on a, a sort of unweighted hook so oh yeah that's on a, a worm hook there so someone's sort of weedless sort of setup yeah yeah um if, if anybody's got any real questions about that one um just google uh steve morgan yeah. abt yeah. fishing um yeah, fish and aqua prawn. He's the king of the aqua prawn. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got all the um all the infos on how to fish him and what to do. Um, yeah, yeah but that is an awesome plastic. Um, especially with the weedless hook, you can really just skip cast them in anywhere you want, any little nook cranny hole that you want to try and get it into. Um, you can just skip it in there, and basically the same thing we described for the crabbies, just that you know let some line out, let it sink slow and natural, and um, you're just watching for that kick in the line. Yep. Um one of my favorites yeah and then um plastic flies as well um similar you can actually fish this one again on that weedless hook this one's a, a shrimp this is the gulp two um yeah gulp gulp two inch shrimp yeah, yeah. but um, i'll fish that deep as well yeah yeah, oh, yeah. so no, you when you when you're fishing that deep you obviously go to a heavier jig head or yeah, yeah, a one sixteenth and a one oh or Yeah, yep. so you can go one sixteenth up to sort of a one eighth is probably about as heavy as I'd just about as heavy as I'd ever go on the Gold Coast would yep. be a one eighth. Um and yeah, you can fish that down 
fish that down deep or again on a lighter jig head around pontoons as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, all still works. Yep. Yep. Um, even the gulp, um, this one's a little gulp minnow. So it's just got a flat tail like that. Yeah. Again, once we're getting into this winter time with the deeper bites, that's yeah. when we'll sort of switch more to these and the, and the shrimp. But um, that, that but lure yeah. right there uh, with, with the Queensland Open last year was won by a Victorian. Yeah, right. That lure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, if you if you asked a lot of guys um, who run the sip who fish the series up here, they probably wouldn't throw that on the Gold Coast. Yeah. And this guy came up from Victoria, had never fished the system, and he fished areas where we might throw the crabby or throw a shrimp, and he cleaned up. You know, so yeah. uh, I would probably suggest guys that have got stuff there they think might not work that are in that sort of two to three inch profile, and you know, never think that the fish is not going to eat it. That's another yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and um, I, I think it's a great it's a great time of year to, to fish down here because you know the the fish are um, you know they're starting to condition. If they haven't started spawning yet, a few have, but um, yeah, they're going to be conditioning up. They're going to be feeding up, getting ready for that spawning cycle in the winter months. So yeah. honest, and they're still like I, I fished on Wednesday, literally one end of the arena down to the other, and caught fish everywhere. So um, yeah, yeah, I think you know it's sort of anybody's to win. Um, yeah, I, and and you sent me a, sent me a nice jealous video for a Wednesday afternoon of uh, you releasing some fish that you caught just to stir the pot a little bit more. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so look, I suppose we've where we're talking and where we're going at the moment. Um, I just want to maybe bring it back just a little bit. When when the guys are fishing, obviously, um, uh, your numbers aren't fully set yet. We're not set on the numbers. We've got till Sunday, obviously, for the guys to enter their their enter in for the next week, but. If someone's fishing a spot that they desired to fish, would you guys look at that up there and go, right, I'll come back in an hour's time and if he's off that, that would have recharged and I can have a crack at that now? Or would you look at that as that spot's busted and need to move on somewhere else? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely say you can come back, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, um, you know, everywhere, in this, everywhere in this system, all the fish have seen lures before. There's, yeah. there's heaps of tournaments run up here. Um, and I think it's actually quite important, an important aspect really, really getting really good at the Gold Coast is actually timing your spots. Yeah. Um, you'll learn certain areas will work better, um, you know, at, the, at certain parts of the tide, and it doesn't always work, you know, it doesn't always work out, but, um, yeah. but yeah, you'll, you'll, it, I think it's definitely worth it. If you've got a plan to come and fish a spot at a certain point, yeah. and you saw someone there as you were going past an hour beforehand, yeah. uh, I wouldn't worry. Um, yeah. I'd definitely come back and fish no, it. I, and look, I always say to our guys down here, you know, if, if someone's in your spot, there's no guarantee that they're throwing the lure that you're going to throw either. So, exactly. you know, you've always got to, you, you might have something different. You might have a slightly different technique. I've had it before where I've given someone at a yak on his comp. I had a spare lure, exactly what I was catching fish on. He hadn't caught a fish all weekend and he still couldn't get a fish, you know. And it was just the way that I was working that lure. Once I showed him how I was working the lure, we've worked out, that was the difference, you know. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's just troubleshooting on the day as well. Like when we fish together, we're, we're always communicating. Like, are you are you twitching it fast? Are you doing a slow roll? Do you have scent on? Are you hydrated? Yep. There's so many questions. <laughs> that we'll go, what scent know, are you like, using? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like yep. you've got that pattern worked out in the first two two or three hours, and that's not going to say it's going to be the same in you know the next three hours. So I think yeah. it. The, if you can adapt quick, if people who they're good fishers, they're, they're able to adapt to different situations quicker. 
Um, you know, they're going to figure out a system pretty quick. Like, a lot of the Gold Coast is quite similar in that regard. It's just um, how you're going to get there in some of these strong currents, maybe, so... Yeah, and look, just to show some of the guys at home to explain what we mean by some of the things we do differently, this is a big thing in Victoria. So that's a motor oil um, basic slim swim just there, okay? And what we tend to do is we'll actually bleed that. So that there is... Well, it's gonna, not going to work probably. That'd be right. There we go. So that you can sort of see it anyways, but that's a pumpkin seed. But what we do is that's normally brown. We actually bleed the color of the motor oil into the pumpkin seed and... You know, a lot of people don't do the little things like that, and that could be the, the slight difference that might be that that little different color that they haven't seen before might be what makes them bite. So just to emphasize on everyone does things differently. You know, that's something that we yeah. do in Victoria. Um, most guys will do, but we'll bleed all sorts of different colors together. So just to give you guys another yeah. option of it. Yeah, well, only, what was it, only two weeks ago, whatever, we right. went down for a fish in the, our local canal system yeah. down here, and I fished down one side of a canal, and Steve fished down the other side, yeah. and then when we turned around and come back, Steve just went straight yep. over the first platoon, I think I My, fished um, 15 I've, minutes before I've, and pulled yeah. the 40. <laughs> I've, I've got a guy that I fish with, and I'll get in trouble, so B2, if you're listening, um, we've got two Brendans, and we've got B1, B2, and right. the Brendan that I fish with, that's how we fish. The system we fish is a river system and literally he'll do one side i'll do the other when we get to yeah. the end we swap over and we go back down each other's sides and we catch fish all day so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, said, I wouldn't try and follow in right well apart from you don't really want to be fishing right next to someone oh yeah you probably wouldn't you wouldn't fish right behind someone um yeah but give when, some, when something is when when a lure's gone at a pontoon that will tend to if the fish haven't reacted and eaten it they probably tend to shut down yeah. um so that they might need a you know 10, 20 30 10, minutes yeah catch something yeah yeah but um but yeah if you're coming back half an hour later no problem i reckon yeah it also perfect. depends on the angler and how they pick that pontoon apart if yeah. someone if someone like myself in a paddle yak i'm not doing the k's and i'll always pick a route and i will literally every post every side you know and really work that area until i work out a pattern and just destroy it pretty much so if someone yeah. comes in behind me, you know, that, that, like that, they might be have a bit more pressure than someone who just comes in, throws a lure, but doesn't get close to the pontoon. So yeah, yeah never count anything out. Yeah. And while, while we're talking about that, like you've heard Steve there say, like, you may not get close to the pontoon. Guys, if you don't get your cast where you want it, my biggest tip to anyone is don't waste that cast. Still use that lure like you're going to use it because you don't know whether the fish have still seen that and gone, ooh, I'm going to chase that. And, you know, the other thing with it too is the more times you throw it something, the more your chance you've got of spooking the fish. So you might as well, your cast is already there, your lure's in the water. Even if it's a metre short, you're still better off to work that lure um, and make the most out of every cast. So Yeah. Sometimes in some of the high flow areas, actually landing it a bit further from the pontoon works because by the time the current sucks it down, it's yeah. actually at the right height to go underneath the pontoon. Yeah. So. And, and you may find that little niche that, hey, they don't like it being thrown at the pontoon. They wanted a metre out from the pontoon. Yeah. Next thing, you're getting yeah. all the fish and no one else is. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, yeah this is... sometimes you, you sight cast at them free swimming a few metres away from the pontoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and look, this is how we get better as fishermen too. We, we learn and adapt as we go. We pick up on the things that we do wrong and we go, hang on a minute, well, that actually worked. I might try that next time. So, you know, it's all learning for everyone. And I don't think anyone can ever say they're a master at anything like you're always learning there's always new products there's always new techniques coming out um you know 
it's it, certain species, you know, I've watched certain lures like um, the River to Sea Baby Vibe down this from New South down has become massive again. And, you know, we had a chat with Paul the other week and <laughs> there you go. And uh, Paul, Paul made the comment that he was throwing that back in 2001, 2002, and now it's made a resurgence again. You know, it's it's a decent trek up. So, yeah. Yeah. There we go. And Chris has just said, you know, in fact, that's happened. I've had a broom smash my lure about two meters away from a pylon. So there you go. Yeah. So that's someone, yeah, yeah. that's one of your admins that's, uh, you know, pointing out that <laughs> yeah. that had happened to him. So, yeah. um, so what else yeah, you got so on, there for on us? On that with this one, on that yep. with this crankbait lure. Um, and I think it's true for your surface lure as well when you're twitching it back towards yourself. Uh, when it gets that kind of distance where, you know, maybe four, three, four meters or whatever from the kayak and you think, you know, that's about when the, the fish are going to see the see the boat, just stop it. Yeah. Especially if you know a fish has chased it or already had a go at it, stop it. Uh, don't don't pull it so close to the boat that you then spook it. Sometimes that last bit of just pausing and just yeah. keeping that lure in the water, um, they'll just then all of a sudden go, oh, it's too much, I've, I've got to eat it. So, um, yep. yeah, sometimes that pause right at the end before you get too close. So what have you got any other lures there that you want to cover off while we're going through, Phil, yeah, before we sort of maybe move on to some setups? I don't want to throw too many at people because nah. I'll then have to go buy half a tackle shop. But um, And look, guys, these yeah. are all just options. Let's be honest. These aren't what you have to yeah. have. These are just multiple options. You might have some of these at home. So Yeah, but it might, might give you some ideas for different things. And I think all the guys down in Victoria will know this one as well. But I was hoping you were going to mention one of these. Um, I've always got one tied on. Um Particularly around Sovereign Island, this is a really good lure. Um, I think a lot of other places, I'd say probably the crabby works just as well um, as the cranky crab. So um, and you know, it costs a couple of dollars instead of twenty bucks. Um, twenty bucks a pop. Um, yep. but, but yeah, the cranky crab in heavy. Um, if you wanted to fish that around Sovereign Island, uh, you could definitely do a lot worse. Um, that's that's one of the best best brim lures, and I'd say probably accounts for some of the. The, you know the XL size brim that get caught around Sovereign Island yeah. come on that exact lure. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah you, you'll definitely find days where that that's not what they're eating. Um, but um, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely a go go to. Yeah. So not, so, not, so, to say, not not to say the big fish won't come on a crabby. Last year okay. in our comp, a 1.28 kilo brim was caught at Sovereign Island. Yeah. Um, and. That yeah, that's Chris, probably one Chris of the big, yeah, Chris, yeah, one of our yeah. one of the biggest brim I've seen on the Gold Coast in a few years. So yeah, yeah. So something that I haven't seen you guys sort of throw out there as a lure um, that we use a lot around Victoria and East Gippsland and that where we do get some yellowfin. Do you guys ever throw the little thirty-eight millimeter stick sort of style minnow? No bib, like just they'd like a, a twitch stick bait. bait. Yeah, stick bait. Yeah, so I, I fish stick baits. Um, in my kayak in um, an area not too far from us. So I'll usually fish yep. them on, on boat, boat holes in three pounds straight through. I don't, yep. there isn't too many guys up here that fish stick baits, really. Yeah, okay. Um, I think a lot of the guys will go for that aqua prawn profile. Um, yep. Probably in winter, like when that water's really clear and good flow, I'll use stick baits. But um, it's not a... It's not a prolific bait that a lot of guys use yep. up here. Maybe if we went to Tweed Heads, which we've got around there in a, in a month, like the water yep. gets really clear there, like super clear that you can see the bottom in six meters of water. Yeah, that's right. a, that's probably the arena I would throw a stick bait on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So what we might do, so we're not overwhelming people with all these different lures and stuff, we might move over. Do you want to maybe just cover off your rods and reel setups? Obviously, you've got so many options these days. You, with your braid, you've got straight through. Um, yep. You know, so maybe just go over some some pretty. We'll keep it basic for the guys. A basic yeah, yeah. size, basic length, um, and then a braid leader combo, and then maybe if you guys obviously use straight through up there a little bit, so maybe cover off a straight through setup as well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think um, yeah, for anyone coming in, you want something in that you know one to one to three to one to four, sort of two to four kind of kilo size. Um, you don't really need to go any bigger than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sort of you really light, uh, quite light rods, and you're probably looking in that fast taper as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably six foot ten to sort of seven foot two. Um, maybe some people might like a bit shorter in the kayak. Um, yeah. but yeah, that that kind of seven foot size is always a good. Um, yeah, good size. Um, and then for your line class, uh, the braids probably, uh, you know, if you're going to a braid and leader combo, which is definitely, um, I think it's a good staple. Um, you can throw all of the lures that we've been talking about on yeah. that. Um, it's definitely, I think, the more universal one. Um, the the straight throughs, I'd say, more more specific for certain lure types. And yeah. um, those those lures would, you know, you can definitely use braid and leader on those. So if I had to take just one, I'd definitely be a braid and leader combo. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, for the braid, it doesn't really matter a lot. So a lot of guys throw the really light stuff, sort of like four pound, um, you know, because it casts a little bit better. But to be honest, I have eight pound on all of mine, um, I, I, eight or 10, yeah. I, I actually throw 10 and 12 pound, which is Sunline Castaway, but it is super thin. So yeah, I was going to say, Sunline's a thin braid, yeah. so that's, yeah. Yeah. But the Sunline Castaway, the blue strand, so that that probably is equivalent in the ten pound to a six or a five, you know. Yep. So um, it all depends on how comfortable you feel and and what your purchase price is as well. Like there's there's a lot of brands out there now in that six pound, which which will be fine on the day. Just leave it, leave yeah. the size. We usually stick with a six pound or five to straight up. So yep. yeah, 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 I. I'd, I'd definitely recommend if you haven't fished on the Gold Coast before, yep. I'd be tying on six pound, yep. and and I wouldn't tie on anything heavier all day until you start getting some bites because um, I think really most of the guys up here would fish four to six. Yep. So um, yep. and I I just don't like I normally don't put on anything lighter than six. I sometimes go to eight um, yep. for certain techniques, um, but yeah, so mainly with my surface lures, I'll throw eight pound, um, and yeah, that's. But you don't really want to go any, um, you know, much heavier than that because um, the brim definitely are leader shy, and especially when the water's clear. Yeah. Um, especially if you're fishing those dead stick um, methods with the with the gulp crabbies and the and the aqua prawns, um, your bites will go right down. And um, I won't, you know, obviously, I've seen guys catch brim up here on bloody twenty pound fishing for Taylor yeah. and shipping, you know, yeah. things like yeah. that. But um, yeah. it does happen. But yeah. your numbers are going to be way down. So if you haven't done it before, if you're on six pound and um yeah that that's yeah, and, that, and i think those big donkey brim have seen it so you've also got to look at they, they they're smarter than the the smaller school brim too you know yeah, sure, yeah. Sometimes, yeah sometimes those big ones don't fight as hard as our 28 centimeter brim up here but yeah, they just they're the ones we, that wrap you around poles because they just go in different directions so fast yeah so yeah and that's yeah. that's a big thing even for us as well it's the same sort of deal you'll get a really big brim and until you get it close to the yak it won't yeah. really fight and you'll think oh i've, I've foul hooked it or i've just got a, a smaller yeah. brim and 
and then all of a sudden it sees the top of the water, sees yak, and you get that drive. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you know yeah. it's on. It's a good fun look. And I yeah. think the other thing covering over, like we're talking Rod, Rod and the leaders combo with Braid at the moment. Um, I think the Braid and a fluorocarbon leader is a great starting point for anyone getting into brim fishing. Um, fluorocarbon has its own learning curve when you go straight through. Um, yeah. You know it. it if for anyone that's used it before, and I'm I'm new to using fluorocarbon, I've played with it before, but I spooled up a rod recently with it, and I found it's got a lot more slack in it. Um, you know, it's it's almost like an elastic band to a point where it gets that pull, and, yeah. and you don't know if you're getting a proper bite, and it, it is a lot harder to determine that hookup. So I think yeah. for anyone who is actually starting out, it is important to maybe keep it simple and take to the yeah. basics. So for any of the newer guys, I would highly recommend listening to these guys on their braid and leader combos, not so much your fluorocarbon uh, straight through because it is easier to learn. Yeah, I strongly agree. If you say you're fishing crankbaits and, and bouncing them over rocks in the bottom, um, that's where I, re- I did that first off with, with braid and leader. And you'd very, you know, once you've done it heaps of times, you would know, yep, that's a rock. I can feel I'm hitting a rock. Oop, I'm about yep. to get snagged up. Or oh, that's a bite. Yeah. And once you've learned what those that feeling is, basically going to fluorocarbon is like just taking away the sensitivity. Yeah. All of those bites yeah. get more subtle, and the differences yeah. between them, like the difference between a bite and a rock and a weed and a lump of weed and a whatever, <laughs> all gets harder and to that, tell. And, and so, that's where it gets really hard to try and teach or to explain to someone the difference in that feeling. You've almost got to have one of each rod and go cast that, hit a rock, cast that, hit a rock. Feel the difference. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, you it need is... to nearly do it and close your eyes. Yes. You know, yeah. Like you, I, I listened to a podcast um, on Doc Lewis, Blake Blake O'Grady, who's a friend of mine. And yep. He talked about he used to go drummer fishing down in Stanwell Park in New South Wales, and he he got good at doing stuff because he'd always fish in the dark. And he said it was all about just getting that sensitivity, which comes with repetition. So you know, it's, yep. you can't go out on the first day of your first ever brim comp and realize that you're going to use the most subtle, stretchy line to feel a bite. So, yeah. 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 Um, so we've got a couple of questions around the rod and sort of combos. How much leader would you guys recommend to run on any of the sort of lures we've talked about tonight? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I normally have, say, probably about two rod lengths. So I normally have it so it just doesn't doesn't quite go onto the onto the yep. school. Um, and, and, yeah, that's that's about it. Um, that The... Probably the only reason was why the other reason why I normally have it so long is um, if I'm say rubbing it up against pontoons or getting it on rocks and whatever. Um, yep. Whenever you're fishing light, if you're fishing four and six pound, you've got to be reasonably anal about checking your leader yep. after every fish and yep. after t- every ten casts. You yep. get it, rub it on, you know, give it a feel yep. on your finger. Yeah. You feel a scuff. Um, because you can right. yeah. And for the guys that don't know what we're talking about, you if you're using the tips of your fingers in beneath your fingernails, you will feel any sort of burn, abrasion, or rub, or we as we call it, or a chafe on that leader. And if yeah. you feel that, that leader's gone. You've got to cut it off yeah. or if shorten that leader. If it, feel, if it doesn't feel smooth, yeah, yeah. And I'll normally check, you know, the, the top couple of feet above yeah. my lure because that's normally yeah. where you get it. And if it doesn't feel smooth, cut it off because I can't tell you the number of times I've gone, yeah. oh, it feels a bit scuffed. Oh, I'll be right. It's all Next pontoon, bangs a yep. snap. And there goes your $30 lure that you just bought yeah, and it's, exactly it's down yeah. in the drink. And guys, when we're talking about checking the leader too, it is literally the tips of your fingers. You know, it's, yeah. it's those bits in there on your fingers that you can see because that's the most sensitive part. You don't want to be 
you know, rubbing it through your hand or anywhere silly on the sides of your fingers, it needs to be those tips because you've got the most sensitivity. Um, yeah, so the we, other question we do that we do that religiously like yep. if we're on the boat we communicate all the time have you checked your leader like you know it's yeah. something when you're out you need to get yourself into that routine because you don't want to miss that next fish and it will happen unfortunately but if yep. you get into that routine of checking it you've got a better chance of catching oh, that look yeah. after every fish i check a leader if i haven't caught fish for a while it's every third or fourth cast i just quickly yeah. as i'm winding in i grab the tip rub my hand up it you know it's check it's just a quick check. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Another thing: check your leader, check your drags. Yeah, yep. we, what's your drag like? You know, move into a different area. You know, I can fish looser. You know, there's so, yep. so many variables. That's yeah. it. When you're around structure, your drags a bit tighter. When you're a bit more of a flat, that sandy weedy flat. Yep. You know, if it's if it's a pretty good flat, and there's no real barnacles or anything around or anything it can rub on or any thick weed, you can have that drag set and let that fish run and tire itself out and then it'll just flop on its side so you know it makes it a lot easier um so this will probably cover off a bit of stuff but we've also got uh another question from chris uh also what would be a good budget size setup would you recommend for someone like myself that wants to target brim on light gear all right so i can tell you straight off the bat daiwa aired rod 100 bucks akuma reel about a hundred bucks, the expire, excellent reel. You can also look at, if you want a bit more price point on the reel, about 139 bucks, the Diewear Acceler. That that package there, you can fish for your brim, your bass, and your flathead. I've yep. got two Diewear Aired Rods I've had for five or six years now. And if I go bass fishing in a creek, I take that, because it's not a high graphite rod, like high modular graphite. You can bang it apart, bang it, and bang it in the kayak. It's a great- And I can- I can yeah. second that. My wife has yeah. got seriously into her fishing this year and started yeah. really having a go. And I've gone and bought her three of those Daiwa aired rods. That um, is so good. And I've got some expensive Daiwa rods and I still yeah. use them sometimes in a comp. Yeah. Probably if someone wanted to go up a little bit more from that, my recommendation for someone getting into Brim would probably also look at the Daiwa 20 series Infeats, the newer ones that yeah. come out. There's a 732 LFS, 180 bucks. You know, and they are a great rod that you can do twitching with soft plastics. You know, it's it, it's that next level up from the raid, but you're not spending a fortune on it either. So yeah, yeah. So that that rod you're talking about is actually my um is my cranker crab rod, the blue one. Oh, you've got the blue one. So this is a red one, the seven thirty two. I think yeah, it's a so seven thirty two. I've got that in the X X series. I use that for my plastics yep. as well. Yeah, they they are so good in the hand and so light. Like I've actually got a rotator cuff injury from years ago. Yep. I could throw that rod all day. Yeah. You know, I, it's paired with a, a Reverie reel in a 2000. I can throw that all day. Yeah. It's, yeah. Look, I, I can I'm go through it. I've, I've literally, I've just gone and bought the Z series of the new 712. And, you know, even with that, like I've all my rods are dial rods. I'm a dial fanboy, so I'll get in trouble for that. But, you know, I love the infant range of rods because they're in a budget that isn't, over the top it's it's achievable for your entry level guy to the intermediate you don't have to spend a fortune so i think they're a really good price point some of those lower in feet rods for guys getting into it that just want to have that little bit of a nicer rod a bit of a nicer grip but as you said those error diver rods unbelievable really you know for the dot for the dollar value for 210 dollars 180 dollars depending on the reel it's a set done you know and then as we've said we covered off on the braid you'll spend you know, have a shop around for your braid, look at your sizes, check your braking strain, you know, 
get a thin braid, you can go heavier if it's a thin braid because the breaking strain will be higher as well. So, you know, you do a little bit of research on that and you can pick up braid for 20 bucks. You know, full setup with braid done, 230, 250 bucks. Yep. Done deal, you set, and, it's, and you've got a good quality rod, good quality reel. So, yep. I think that's an important thing. So, um, yeah, so I definitely think of... those air, air rods, if guys are looking at those, I'd probably look at the two to four kilos in those because it actually has a fast taper. And guys, yep. a lot of guys up here fish for freshwater species, those air rods are really good for bass for throw, throwing your plastics, your really light spoons, and stuff like that. So, it's a good all rounder, yeah. Flathead, snapper, everything. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So guys that are watching from home, if you've got any questions, just want to chuck them up so we can maybe move through some of this and um, we'll start to wrap this up for the for the night. So if you guys have got anything else you just want to add, I think we've covered nearly everything. We've done a pretty good session tonight. So, yep. But if you've got anything related to Brim, Chris is on at the moment, so you might be able to ask some admin questions and he can answer them in the comments. Yep. Um, hey, Mad Dog. <laughs> we're going quiet there's nothing there <laughs> um someone made a comment someone's made a comment about you steve apparently they reckon you've had a haircut so <laughs> hey when, when you're in the business and it's only a small business you gotta look like you know what you're doing yeah. a good haircut and a mustache will get you places <laughs> all right here we go all right so we've got some questions um gary cole we've yeah. got any thoughts on going light on a long rod with big reel to cast long and wine to get further away from the spooky fish eg 10 and a half foot fly rod with a 2500 reel with four line four pound fire line and four pound fluorocarbon on the flats yeah i, I know garrick personally um yep. i would suggest that I've, i use one of the um, atomic arrows rods in the seven foot six yeah when, when you're throwing it, it all depends on what you're throwing in if you're throwing in a heavy wind in, in you know behind you you can cast a small little very far so i think it would be all about positioning uh you know your kayak with some behind you and, and wind kind of thing so and, and i think too with that covering off on the longer rod um i don't know how many guys listen to it but andrew deef's podcast the brim project i was fishing and talking to him at ben river having a chat at the pub and He's throwing some big custom rods. Like he's like nine foot rods. They're yeah, yeah. they're massive, yeah, and he does those inspire custom rods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. when you yeah. see him on that kayak, you just look and go, they look like flag bolts. You know, yeah, like we've, we've but, been talking about these rods for a while, actually. They are like they are unbelievable. You know, like for me in a kayak around here, for what I do, all my rods are in the smallest rod I have. I think is on seven foot. You know, yeah. and I go all the way up to about a seven six, seven eight. Um, yeah. I've got a seven eight. I don't use it much. Um, yeah. It's more probably that I don't like the rod than the size. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I in a kayak, I like the longer rod for the longer cast. So that's yeah. that's my theory with that. So yeah. hopefully that sort of answers your question. Yeah, I'd say generally around the Gold Coast, if you are fishing on the flats and, you know, particularly quite shallow, clear water, yeah, big cast is definitely going to be helpful, especially in a boat, you know, the further you can get away, you know, your boat's bigger presence, you want to get that lure further away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clearly at the Gold Coast in general, fishing around the structure, I think you definitely don't need a rod that big. Um, yeah. You don't have to be that far, you can cast plenty far enough with a seven foot rod to not spook the fish. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just find the smaller rods better if you know you want to skip it under a boat hull or skip it under yeah. the back of the pond when it's yeah. too hard with a big rod. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think four, yeah. Four pound, four pound line there is is if you're fishing in open flats, which Garrick is asking about, four pound is is fine. Yeah, uh, a really good choice. I, you know, you could probably go three, but um, you know, there's a good chance right now there is still a lot of flathead being caught, and you yeah. may lose your lures very quickly on that, three. I was going to say four four pound if you're using the right four pound and it's a, a thin four pound with a decent leader. I I don't think you'd have any problem anywhere with that for a, a rod real reader combo yeah, yeah. And, and being on a flat as you said the longer rod doesn't really make a difference it's you're going to get that further cast out of it but it's going to be harder to use on that structure the tight structure your pontoon boat holes and stuff like that where you're just trying to do those short flicks um yeah, yeah. it is obviously going to make a difference so we've sort of already covered the next question but we'll just cover it over again anyways rodrigo has asked would you guys throw any surface lures this time of year 100% yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if I could throw a surface lure all day, which I will, I will have, I will, I'll probably have two styles. I'll have, um, so Phil talked about the Baste Sugar Pen. I use that more now because Phil told me, you know, he uses it. I like yep. to use in winter and I like to use, it's the Zip Bait Skinny Pop. Yep or skitter pop so i like the it's got a bit more of a cup so i find if those fish are maybe a little bit shut down or they're not really interested you can sort of really get it quite aggressive and it puts out a big spit if i'm in a sandy canal where it's probably a bit shallower uh, uh that's the uh, imakatsu dilemma popper yeah but that also like the it's got a cup at the front a bit smaller than the sugar sugar pen yeah we'll throw surface all day if we can yeah. <laughs> yeah i think i think anyone who's actually has caught a broom on surface once you sort of get that bug and you you get those few bangs where they give you the big bulf and then eventually they take it oh yeah uh, it's a different yeah, yeah. uh different game isn't it changes it up so so surface lure fishing for brims normally in in queensland is more so talked about in the warmer months yeah. um yeah but look i can I can tell you, you can catch them all year round yeah. on surface. And uh, with the way that this last season's gone and the way they've been biting surface, they are yeah. still biting surface really yeah. hard. So, yeah, um, yeah so be caught on surface this comp, yeah, for sure. It's funny, isn't it? Like, you, you, you're not that far away with apples and ends of Australia, but at the same time, in Victoria right now, we're on that edge of we might throw surface if we see them feeding. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. we won't bother. It's one of those things where we'll have a lure clip rather than have it tied on so we could just snap one on real quick because oh, yeah, yeah. because you just don't know. Um, but once yeah. you get another month or so from now, surface bite's nearly non-existent for us. It's it's yeah. a hard so, bite. So we're, yeah. we're, we're throwing surface because we've got prawns and shrimp. You guys are probably throwing them because you've got gar. So some of the systems down here, we get prawns in. We'll still get the yeah. prawns. Um, where I am specifically, the, the, the Hopkins, where I fish regularly, uh, isn't a prawn system. But if we go to East Gippsland, they're big prawn systems. Oh, okay. So we will get them, but but the prawns are seasonal. They're not there all the time. It's yeah. It, it, yeah, it's it's just that the black brim, when it gets cold, go deep. They don't sit on the edge. They, they'll be on the edge in the morning, but they won't really be feeding on the surface. They'll be eating those little minnow-style sort of bait fish that are swimming around, not, yeah. not anything else, so... Um, Chris has obviously said, good to see you, Steve. Um, another one, Stephen Legend. There we go. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Is there any you guys any more you want to add? Any? What about you guys, Steve, Phil? Have you got anything else you want to add no, to tonight? But like it, if anyone sees us in the morning, come up. You know, if they yeah. want to have a quick chat about something, or just get a get a bit of reassurance before they head out, we're happy to do that. We'll, I'll probably be down there, um, quarter to five, five o'clock. We're we're hoping for a probably six six thirty start. So. Um, we, we're usually ready to go, so there's usually half an hour or 20 minutes beforehand if anyone wants to pop down and have a quick chat. So, And guys, I'm going to point it out. It's Yak Hunters. We are very social. Um, most of the Yak Hunter guys, we're there to have fun. We're there to catch fish. It is a tournament competition, but we also want to see everyone have fun. You know, If you don't have fun, you don't catch fish or you're unsure, come and ask the questions to the guys yeah. that have been doing it a while. Most of the time, we're happy to share if we, we've got some plastics or something that we might be able to give you one or two of to help you on the day. Yeah, yeah. Most people do that in Yak Hunters, and you know it, it's more about we want you to come back. We don't want you to go away and have a bad experience. We want you to come and have a good experience. So I think that's a, a good finishing point that you know these guys have given up their time. And I'll point it out, these two guys aren't admins of Yak Hunters, guys. They've given up their time tonight um, to we're, give we're you guys a bit of info. And that's it. <laughs> and, and they're just fishermen that love to catch some fish. So... You know, it's a key point that, you know, it shows that the community's around it with Yak Hunters and um, very supportive. So thank you to you two guys, obviously, for me for tonight, for giving me your time to do your chat and, you know, sharing your information, your knowledge. I really like it. Uh, there you go. So Chris has just said they're starting off at six and back by two, he thinks. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Good tides really? on the day. Nice big high tide at about 9, 9.30, yeah. I think. That that yep. top of the tide is normally yep. a good time to fish for brim. So really good tides. So yeah. yeah, too easy. All right, for all you guys at home, we're going to wrap this one up. I think it's uh, we've gone nearly an hour and a half. So thank you very much for watching, guys. I appreciate it. All right, enjoy. <laughs>